Hello, and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about different topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist, the passion for helping busy adults tone up, lose body fat, and feel good. Abby Reeves, former college athlete, fellow online coach, owner of AR Fit. I am super excited to have you. We had some technical difficulties, but we made it. <laughs> so I was just, I'm so excited to talk to you today. And I'm glad that we were able to finally connect and just get to talking. I know we just mentioned that we're gonna dive into all of the fun stuff about being an online fitness coach. So Tell me a little bit about you, about your background, about your athletic background, so the people can know. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. I know it's a little struggle to get on here, but we got it, so I'm excited. But yeah, no, my name is Abby. I'm a health and fitness, nutrition, wellness, mindset, whatever you want to call it, coach, kind of focus on a little bit of everything, but just a little bit about me. So I've grown up my entire life being an athlete. My parents were athletes. I was, some of my sisters were, so just kind of came from that background. And I actually played uh, college basketball. So I know you're an athlete too, so we can relate on that. But it was um, really a cool experience. I mean, we were great. And when you think about it, being a college athlete, like you train with your team, you're in the weight room, people are telling you what to do. You can kind of eat whatever because you're burning thousands of calories. But my issue was actually got out of college and then it was like, you're just on your own and you never really learned how to train, how to work out. You didn't learn how to eat. And I really, really struggled like most people and gained like 30, 40, 50 pounds. I don't even know. It was pretty crazy. Stopped working out and just was super, super lost and that I just remember one day I signed up at Planet Fitness, good old $10 a month. And just that's kind of where my fitness journey really started. I know that I've been an athlete, but that's where like my own like health and nutrition, like I would say journey really started probably four or five years ago, just from like rock bottom, like every one of your listeners and people that you probably work with, like just because I was an athlete, like I ended up right where most people were, where it's like, I had no idea what to do. I was under eating. I was doing random workouts, doing hit workouts, doing Instagram workouts, just had no idea. So it took me a few years, ended up hiring a coach, really changed my life and made me realize like, wow, this is so cool. I want to do this for other people. And that's kind of what got me on the track to not only being healthy and a better version, but wanting to really help other people do that. Cause she showed me like, that I could do it. And I was like, damn, like all these other people could do this too. So now that's what I do. I'm like in year three of owning my own business, kind of like you and just helping tons of women out there just really find themselves on their own specific journey. So it's been cool. Yeah. I love that. And I actually, I find that to be so interesting that Going from the life of a college athlete into having to do athletics on your own is such a large transition, and I almost feel like it shouldn't have to be. And it's a struggle you hear from a lot of coaches. There's a lot of coaches that were former athletes, whether it was collegiate, whether it was competitive, or have been athletes in their life at some point, but they oftentimes become coaches because they had that same struggle. And 
what do you think it is about that that like what what is college athletics missing that it's not teaching their athletes to do outside of their specific sport? Yeah, I actually went and got my master's and did like a bunch of studying on this and wrote a bunch of thesis and papers. And there's a lot of different perspectives, but for like my own personal experience is in college, you you know, you're shipped off to college at 18 years old and you're considered an adult. I mean, your parents cook all your food. They do all your grocery shopping. You're shipped off to the dorms. So you have a microwave and like no idea how to grocery shop. You have no money. You have no idea like how to build meals. So for starters, like it's not even just college. It's like, honestly, like a lot of like, your home life being thrown into it and then thrown into the next phase after college. So I think it kind of even starts earlier than that, but specifically with like college from my own like perspective and experience is that, you know, one, we never ever had a class on nutrition. Like Mm -hmm. I played at the D3 level, but we practiced four hours a day. We played seven days a week. We weight trained. This was serious stuff. So We never, ever even learned about it. We never even had a class, which was so mind blowing to me. And then number two is, you know, when you're training, they just give you a sheet of paper and you just do what it says. They don't teach you about form and cues and how to build workout programs and what's best for you. It's just a sheet of paper that you just follow the trainers yelling at you. So when you go through that for however long, And from my personal experience, you know, our last day, we ended up losing in the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16. The next day, we had to turn in our jerseys and clear out our lockers. And we just had to leave. Like, you're done. See you later. And it was like, for me, it was like, holy crap, like, now what am I supposed to do? So I just feel like you're kind of almost set up for failure from the beginning, and not just athletes, anyone. I mean, being 18, thrown into that, and then getting into the real world where you're kind of barely making money. And then you're having to work out by yourself, not with this team of 20 other girls and a trainer yelling at you. And you have to do that yourself. And you just really, we don't have the knowledge. Like nobody teaches you anything so that you can really like take that in the next step of life. So I think the lack of like education is really sad. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so interesting. So I cheered in college. So obviously two totally different spectrums of the sport. And now I think we're right around the same age, but this was now more than 10 years ago. So things may have changed since then in the program. But for us as cheerleaders, we did two days right when you started. So you made the team, you started doing two days and those two days consisted of a long workout in the morning. And it was mostly an endurance workout. So we would have somebody come in. We were like running lines on the football field. We were running the track. We were doing sprints. So clearly they were working up our endurance. And then if you were on one of the specific teams, so we had three separate teams, you were doing something a little bit more specific to that. Um, So like if you were on the cheer team, that was more of the gymnast. So they were doing tumbling, whatever. And then our second practice would be where we would be going through all of our dances, all of our stunting. So I was on the stunt team, but we'd go through all of our dances, whatnot. So it's a lot of cardio. And then on top of that, we were, I think we had to go a certain amount per week or a certain number of classes we had to take per week to sign in. 
but our workouts were kickboxing. So we were just doing more cardio. And we were never required to use the weight room. We had access to the weight room. But I remember that my, I think it was second year, I was one of like three of the other cheerleaders. And mind you, there again, there's three teams. So there's, I don't know, 80 of us. I'm one of three people that use the weight room. And we basically just did TRX exercises, ab stuff, and we barely did weight training itself. Now, they changed that our second year where we did have access to a bodybuilding gym, which I had been a member of previously. But again, really heavy in the cardio side of things. And the whole idea of cheer was that they wanted us to be like cute and skinny. And this varied from year to year. Yes, you did make the team for your skill, but I do think that my particular year, a lot of us made the team because we were small and cute. And I don't think a lot of it was the athletic. So it's kind of interesting to look at the dichotomy of it and see how that differs between between sports. So I don't know. And again, when you are an 18-year-old girl and you're being told like just to do a ton of cardio and then you're thrown into the real world where you're trying to stay fit and you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to do kickboxing because that's what I was told was going to keep me looking the way I want to look when I'm 28 or whatever. And so people just like genuinely don't know. Yeah. I think like even with me, like I was like, okay, I play basketball. That's so much cardio. So if I want to like lose all this weight after gaining weight after college, I just got to like do cardio. Cause that's just kind of like, what was ingrained in my head is just like, go run, do some cardio. That's how I was able to, you know, to stay skinny and fit in college. And that's so not true, unfortunately. But like you said, it's just kind of like, that's kind of the only thing I knew what I felt like I knew. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to resort back to this. Like, let me hop on a treadmill and just run a ton because I used to run all the time in practice. Like, that's got to be the answer. But little did I know it was <laughs> not the answer and um, a big learning curve for sure. Yeah. Do you think that the nutrition side of things or the fitness side of things was more challenging for you getting out of college? For me, it was definitely the nutrition side of things because when – you're, I mean, we had pretty crazy days too, where like you're lifting for an hour or two, you're practicing for a few hours, you're going in outside of that to do a bunch of training. So, I mean, I was burning a lot of calories, probably like you were doing your two a days. So I could take in way more calories because I was burning way more calories. And when I got out of college, I was like, oh, I'll just exercise and I can keep eating that stuff. And unfortunately, <laughs> that's not how it works. And also the older you get, like your body changes, your metabolism changes, like that's not going to stick. So for me, it was nutrition because I just had no idea what to eat, how to eat, and then getting into the real world of like working, like how to eat healthy through the day while not being at home. So for me, that was just the hardest. So I, you know, you just saw, I think like 10 years ago too, it was like chicken, rice, and spinach. And like, now we live in a world where it's so much different. And obviously we've learned that, but I just was like, man, all I can eat is chicken and rice. Like this sucks. Or I was still in that mindset of like drinking a lot on weekends and going out and being young. So like, okay, I'll work out all week, but then like drinking so hard Friday, Saturday, Thursday, 
and eating crap. So it just really, that was a hard part because with being an athlete, like it took me a while to learn my way in the gym and what was best, what works for me and like how to follow a program. But like, I was always there. I was in there five, six days a week because I'm just used to it. But I mean, I was kind of running around doing random stuff that definitely could have been more effective, but it was for me, it was the nutrition and it was all different reasons, but definitely the lack of knowledge in nutrition was just the hardest part for sure. I agree with that. So I didn't, I didn't cheer all four years. I only did it for two years. And that third year that I wasn't cheering, I actually, this is one of my favorite stories. I studied abroad in France that summer and very similar to you, I was used to moving a lot. I was really active when I was younger. I'm going to make the assumption that if you played basketball in college, you were also very active when you were younger. And so you were always able to eat anything you wanted because you were moving around all of the time. And when I studied abroad in France, I obviously wasn't moving around as much. Sure, I was walking in Europe, but other than that, I wasn't doing any exercise. And as you can imagine, I was there for what, however long summer break is, six, eight weeks, something like that. And I ate anything and everything and drank so much while I was in Europe that I gained like 20 pounds and I kept having to buy new pants because my pants didn't fit while I was there. And I came back and I was at the heaviest I have ever been. And that's when I really had to I believe that's when I hired my first coach or really like hired a personal trainer because I gained all this weight in France because I just went from years and years and years of being an athlete to studying abroad in France and then not eating anything. And then I joined a sorority. So it was kind of downhill and I didn't really get into fitness then until two years later until after I graduated. Yeah, that's it's it's hard. I think so many people struggle with that, not even being an athlete, but just like as we age and get older, like (laughs) different things like change in our life. Like you get a job, you have kids, like your life changes. And I'm not telling you can't be as at like athletic or move as much or active, but things change as we get older. We go through these different things in life, whether it's people that have kids, that they work a different job, they have a longer commute, they COVID, they work from home, but like things change. So sometimes our nutrition changes with that too. And I think that can be hard too, if you don't really understand that kind of like the whole thing with France changed for you, like me working in an office, like sitting down all day changed from like being out and about in college. So like life changes, we go through these different seasons and it can be so empowering to learn how to like tackle those different things. And I think that can be really hard for people because they just think like, oh, I have to do this one thing. And that's definitely not the case. It's like learning how to make it work with like your life and what you've got going on. And that was a big learning curve for me too, as, as I still go through changes right now. Yeah. And I think that's as a coach, you also can probably agree. Nutrition is the most challenging thing for all clients across the board. 100%. 100%. (laughs) We hear it all the time. And I think people always feel bad, like, oh, I wish I knew more or why do other people know more? But the reality is most people don't. And people that are even nutrition coaches, we're still learning. There is no right answer when it comes to nutrition. It's really just like figuring out out what works best for everybody and kind of just playing with different ideas and types of 
nutrition that works for different clients because it's not a one size fits all thing. I mean, I'm still constantly learning like what works for me, what works for my body, where like science is behind on things or where other people are sharing information. And so I think it's always good to continue to learn because it's not just, it's not black and white. Yeah, it's not. And as like the brands change, the quality of foods, the regulations, like things are always going to change. So it's good to learn. But for me, like one of the biggest things that we always focus on with our clients is education because it's so empowering. Like if you can learn these things, not just do these things and go through the motions, but you can learn, you can think about it so much more logically, apply it. You can take that control back and make choices that are going to be good for you because we can give you a baseline, but some people are up here. Some people are down here. It doesn't mean that they fit that mold. So it's a good baseline, but then we got to figure out how to really like mold that to like you, your lifestyle, even like, like for me, like I work a job that is much more flexible. I work from home. So like what I do is going to be different than a mom of four kids that has to work in the office from eight to five. Right. So like we might have the like standard baseline, but you got to find what's going to work for you. And I think that's such a, a thing that people miss is they think, Oh, I see this. or I have to do this or this. Like you don't have to do anything. We got to find like what's going to work best for you. And that's something is sustainable too. Like, do you see yourself doing this long-term? Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And I think that looking at other people's success or what other people are doing in their journeys is one of the reasons people are constantly holding themselves back from actually succeeding in their goals because they're constantly looking at, okay, this person eats chicken and rice and they have a really great physique and they think that that's the answer to their problem and the solution that they need to take. Would you agree that that's like one of the things that really holds people back or do you think it's something else? Yeah, I think it's more so the comparison. Like I think that you can go and look at people's things and it can be inspiring, but it's also dependent on the person and the mental space they're in. Like for me, I can like, I know when I started my fitness journey, I really struggled with comparison, but like now I see all these other people like following you and other people. And I'm like, oh, those are some good ideas. Cool. But I'm not thinking, oh, I have to do that. So I think it's also like, where are you in your journey? What kind of space are you in mentally too? But so I think people just struggle with that comparison game. Like I even as a coach, like sometimes I struggle to share wins or progress photos and stuff because I don't want other people to compare themselves to that person or think like, well, I'm three months in on my fitness journey, like this person, how come I haven't lost 10 pounds like them? Because everybody's so different, but hundred percent, like I would agree that like so many people just see like eh, TikTok, TikTok is the worst. Like I hear all the time from my clients, just like they'll send me so many things that they see and they're like, well, should I do this? Or should I be doing this? Or is this a better way to do it? And I'm like, well, what do you think? Like how, like, can you do that every single day or commit to that? Like, no, I'm like, then no, it's not good for you. Just because you see somebody else with a nice butt or something like doesn't mean that's going to work for you. So I do think that holds people back, but at the end of the day, they're like, they're holding themselves back um, in their comparison because you got to find what's going to work for you. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it, it can be tricky. I think it's much easier said than done, but oh, yeah. I think it takes a lot of work. And I don't think it's a perfect scenario. I mean, I find myself guilty of that as well, of that comparison of my own journey and what my physique looks like. Now, 
we've been in fitness for quite a long time. And I still have moments where I'm like, wow, I've been in fitness for almost 12 years. Why does my physique not look like X, Y, and Z? And it can definitely be frustrating, but I constantly have to remind myself that that's not my journey and that's not where I'm at. Um, I'm actually nervous. I think I'm going to compete for the first time this year. And I think that's also one of the areas where you can really go into this big comparison and just fear of what other people are doing. And I, I do think that holds people back at the end of the day because it goes back into their mindset. And at the end of the day, our mindsets are everything. And if we don't have a good mindset about our journey and where we're going and where we're at, then we're just going to keep failing. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, social media is like a, a blessing and a curse. Like social media has so many good like so many good things. Like, I mean, one, we've built businesses to help hundreds of women like change their lives, which is so cool. And I've learned so many things. And like, I try to fill up my social media with positive things, but then there's like that negative side too, where people are constantly like seeing other things in that comparison game. But like you said, a big piece of it is the mindset of just like making sure that you check yourself because I catch myself doing that. I even care about compare myself to like, a year ago where like, I was at like my leanest and I'm like, Oh, like, what am I doing? And then I'm like, shut up. Like you're like, we're in a different phase in a different journey with my own self. So like, I even like compete against myself sometimes. So we all do that. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if you can try to yes, work on your mindset, but fill up your environment. So, so your social media too, I think with like good stuff, like positive things that are lifting you up, educating you too, like you'll catch yourself there. Cause I've spent this last year working on my mental health a ton and I've unfollowed a lot of things that Mm -hmm. don't support like what I'm after or that maybe kind of mentally put me in a bad space. And I've really worked to fill up my social media with a lot of like good stuff that I want a lot of like education. Like I'm really learning a lot about like gut health, hormone health, um, fertility, things like that. So I filled up my page with a lot of that or just people that are really positive, uplifting, educational. And I found that I'm really enjoying social media a lot more and it's a lot less comparison for me too. So that could be something too for anybody listening that's kind of really helped me being on social media. I love that. Totally agree with that. And even if you don't unfollow people, always just muting people that maybe don't have that positive energy or that positivity that you're looking for on your page, I think is a huge tool you can use on Instagram and Facebook. I don't know if on TikTok, just unfollow them. They probably don't know if you follow them anyway. Right. What are some practical tips you can give to not compare yourself to a past version of yourself? That's actually something I hear often that I looked like this when I was 20 years old and I want to get back to that. Or I felt really good when I weighed 10 pounds less, even though that's not the season of life they're in anymore. What are like two practical things that you do to help shift your mindset? Yeah, I think that's actually a really good question because it doesn't, it's not like a one size fits all, but for me, like I'm going through like a lot of gut and hormone things and I used to be a lot leaner and look different and feel different. So I'm kind of in a different season right now going through that. And this is something I'm working on a lot. So I think that's a great question. But for me personally, like I think one of the best things is focusing on like just where you want to go and why, because so many times we're focused on the past. We can't 
go back that way. Like, so when we're doing that, it's like hitting a brick wall. Like you can't go that way. And it's just like you just going against it and nothing is happening. You're spinning your wheels. And the only way we have is to turn around and go forward. So I've just really tried to focus on like moving forward. So like being present, there's nothing wrong with focusing on the future, but more like being present and like where I want to go and why, because we cannot change the past. Like we cannot go back there. We can learn from it, but we have to move forward. And moving forward um, for me has been kind of just the one thing that's really helping me through a lot of the stuff that I personally been going through this last year. And just like why I want to get there, because I know when I get there, like I'm going to be in a good space. So, hey, these are the actions that I have to take. So that's kind of like my next big one. I would say number two is instead of focusing on the results all the time, like what actions could I take? Because your actions are what are going to produce your results. And I think so many people get so focused on like the results their goals, where they want to be, the future, et cetera. So if you can kind of take a step back and more so focus on like, hey, what actions can I take today? What can I do this week? Like those are what are actually going to get you results. So I think like, especially with this time of year, it's like beginning of January, everybody's setting their goals, which I think is great. But like, just because you set goals and write them down doesn't mean you're going to reach them. Like, what are you going to do to get there? So I think when you catch yourself, like, being so caught up in some of those, like in taking a step back, almost like taking a breath and like, okay, what actions can I take? Cause that's really what's going to get you there and help you. And also kind of give you peace of mind instead of focusing on this big overarching, like scary goal that you're like, Oh my God, this is never going to happen. Totally. Yeah. New, New Year's is always its own hot topic with these goals that are happening, but I agree. Just having actual action items are huge and We've mentioned it multiple times, just having the right mindset in place is really, really important because we can preach it all day. And again, these things are so much easier said than done, but fitness really is a journey. And I find that when we hone in on the final result, it's like watching a pot boil. We just wait and wait and wait for this result. And it feels like the result takes forever and we'll use the pot boiling or the water boiling in a pot. I don't even know what the real phrase is. I'm like, I've got myself twisted. But it's like turning up the heat every single second to see if it's going to get hotter and hotter and hotter and boil faster. And it never does. And that's how I envision when people set these goals for themselves or compare themselves to this like version that they're trying to get back to. I don't know if you see this as often as I do, but I constantly see that people are trying to not even get back to a physique that they previously had, but get back to a weight that they previously had. And I always find that to be a really interesting one because I mentioned that when I was in France and I had gained that weight, it was the heaviest I had ever been. And I actually weighed that. I looked back in my my fitness pal and I actually weighed that last December and my physique looked vastly different last December than it did when I was eating pastries and drinking cider for breakfast in France. And so that's always a really big one too. And I think women are so focused on that number on the scale that it literally like stalls their progress because it's all they could focus on. Yeah. It's funny you actually mentioned that. So that was a question that I had from a client yesterday and I was like, hey, I'm going to be on a podcast tomorrow. So maybe this topic will come up. So I'm really glad that it did because I think that 
I sent her like a nine minute voice memo, just talking to her about some stuff. And I think I've probably send that to clients every single day. So if you're out there listening and you're really worried about your weight, one, you're not alone. I think like 99% of women and men and men think this as well. And it's just, I think where we, we come from this culture and society where like we talk about weight so much. I mean, think about it. Like when you come out of the womb, you're weighed and then the rest of your life, you're weighed. And all we talk about is our weights. Um, and it's so frustrating, I'm sure for people because they think that's way an X amount. But I think for starters, people just need to educate themselves and understand that like weight loss and fat loss are two completely different things. So when people are saying like they want to lose weight, they have good intentions. I think they just don't really understand that like weight loss and fat loss are different. Like what they want is fat loss, which they are correlating. Like they're putting these two together and they're not the same. So what we've been trying to educate like our clients about is that understanding that like weight loss, like weight fluctuations are just the number on the scale, which can happen for a million reasons where fat loss is losing like actual fat on your body. So we try to shift the focus to yes, like body recomposition, like let's focus on body recomposition versus like what your like your number on the scale is looking like. And I was there too. I'm sure you have been where mm-hmm. in my fitness journey, my only goal was to get to 140. So I'd gotten up to, I mean, my the reason where 140 came from, I never like really thought about this until I got into my journey. But I, the first day ever of college, I weighed in at like 139.8. So in my head, 140 was a number because like, that's what I was in college and like I was in shape and I felt good. Um, So I was chasing that. I was like 175, 180. And for years I was chasing that. I remember the day that I got to 140 and I got there and I was just like, I mean, I was like proud of myself, but I didn't look at all how I wanted to look. And that was so defeating. I was like, oh my God, what do I have to weigh? 135? Do I have to weigh 130? Like I have to keep doing this. And that's when I actually hired my first coach and we went through a reverse diet, maintenance, building phase, a cut and stuff. And I ended up getting to 145 at at the end of all that. And I looked freaking jacked and shredded and I was five pounds heavier than like my goal weight. And I, that is when it clicked. And I was like, I don't care about the scale. I was like, this scale sucks. I can care less. Like, and that's where I really learned. So it was a big learning curve for me too. But I think just like for women, it's really, it can be hard because that's just all we talk about. But if we can try as a whole to shift our focus to body recomposition, so like building lean muscle and like losing body fat, which think about it. If you put on four pounds of muscle and you put on four or lose four pounds of fat, guess what? The scale's really not going to do anything. It's going to stay the same, but you are going to look so much better. You are going to put on all this lean muscle mass, you lost body fat. And that's where like, you're going to start looking and feeling how you want to feel, but just so many women, I don't think really understand that. So that's kind of where I think people are missing the mark when it comes like to that number on the scale that they have to weigh. Absolutely. I also do think it's important to note that you may have those feelings still creep back up even when you are okay with the scale. I don't know if it's the same for you, but it's really Mm -hmm. taken me until the past 
year or so to be fully comfortable with the number on the scale. Even last year, I was having a lot of challenges before I had hired an online coach. I was starting personal training, was group training, um, and I had, had, had my business, but I hadn't hired an online coach. I had had a lot of personal trainers and we didn't obviously do the same sort of check-ins. And I had a number in my head and I always wanted to stay under 110 pounds. Like my goal weight was always like 102 because in college I was like 95 pounds. I was like itty bitty bitty. And, but I had no muscle, like no muscle at all. And so I was just like terrified anytime the weight started to go up. And I did a reverse diet last year and got up over 120 and I like panicked and I, I was like sad. I was so depressed that my weight had gone up. And I think, like I said, it's important to know that those thoughts may creep back in and it takes a lot of consciousness and self-awareness to say that this weight does not define me. I can look at myself in a mirror. I can look at myself in a photo and I'm wildly confident in my body, but sometimes that number, I'm like, Ooh, that's not the number I want. And I have to remind myself that that number does not mean anything. And so I've really gotten to a place, like I mentioned within the past year that I just no longer let it affect me. And I think that for people that it does affect so severely, like taking away the scale is extremely important. Like I know as a coach, I like my clients to weigh themselves, but not if it's something that is affecting them to a point of depression or giving them anxiety or causing them to think about it all day, every day. Cause I've been in that place and there's a time and a place for a scale and it might not be right now for you. Yeah. And I think there's a, like also knowing that there's other ways to, uh, track your progress. So I have a few, I have a few clients obviously who like we'll weigh ourselves. Um, but you know, if it's not, if they're not in a space, I had a few clients that we, I never ever once knew what they weighed. And I worked with a girl for two years and we never, ever, ever weighed her once. We did progress pictures. Um, we, um, another girl, I did like tape measurements and never knew what she weighed, saw her pictures changing, saw her measurements changing, which was really cool. Um, had another client that had a really severe eating disorder that she had like worked through, but still was not really in a great space to be weighing herself all the time. And we just focused on her biofeedback, like her energy, her sleep, her digestion, her workouts. And like, she was just feeling so good every week. And like, that's what we base it off of. So everybody's definitely different. And if you're in a space where you can't step on that scale, like nobody's making you step on that scale, but you can track your progress in other ways. You don't have to shut down. Like there are other ways to track that and find what's going to work for you. Now for some clients, I'll have to say like, I want to work on my relationship with the scale. Like I am not in a good space, but I want to. So that's why we'll do the scale. But we also do those other ways to track it. Cause when they have a day where they see that scale fluctuate or they're really like struggling with it, we're looking at their pictures, we're looking at their biofeedback and it is almost kind of like a good, like re like reaffirming them that like, Hey, I am okay. Even with this number changing because of X, Y, Z. Like when you said you got to 120 um, through your reverse, like, I mean, how did you feel? Like, were you stronger? Did you have more energy? Did you have better workouts? Like I was so like, it was the only way I was actually able to build muscle, which we know 
like that we know that's the whole point of the reverse. That's the whole point of going into eating more calories is so that we can build muscle. And I laughed about this with some of my clients on our call this week, but before I started training and before I went into my reverse diet, I was convinced I could not squat more than 95 pounds. There's like, I, there was no way I could do it. And now I squat like 175. <laughs> and like, that's a massive jump in weight. But I just like, one, didn't know I could do it. I didn't know I had the strength. So gaining that weight and gaining muscle and gaining confidence in the amount of food I was eating, like was super necessary. Yeah, for sure. And think that's just what people got to keep in mind when they're struggling with those scale fluctuations. Like if you have a goal in mind, which is to build muscle or, you know, to correct your metabolism, hormones, things like that, you might have to go through that reverse. You might have to eat more. The scale might have to go up. You know, it it might need to do that. And that doesn't mean it's going to be forever. I think that's the hard part is understanding that this is now, it doesn't equal forever. And that can be the really hard part. Like when I went through my reverse, I thought the magic number was 1800 calories. That's like weigh 140 pounds, eat 1800 calories. Little did I know I, through my reverse, I um, got up to 2,900 calories a day. I was food. I was a machine. I was feeling so freaking good. I was so strong. And I put on probably like 10 pounds through it. Um, like my lowest weight was like 138, got up to like 148 and through my reverse and maintenance and surplus, I built so much muscle. And now I mean, my body sits around like 142 and my leanness is a little bit lower, but like it was necessary. It needed to happen, but it wasn't a forever thing. But like really keeping in mind why you're doing that. And now like I maintain off of like 2,400 calories a day and I used to off of 1,800, like I'm eating 600 more calories a day, like living the life, like no worries about being restricted and feeling good. So in the time it was hard to see it, but just trying to think about that long-term stuff. We always talk about it, that instant gratification, but like the long-term results were so worth it. It's also important to note that reverse diets might take a while for some people. I think that's really hard to conceptualize when you sign up for a six-month program and you are resistant to that change because it's common to be really resistant to try to eat more food. At first, you're not going to feel that hungry. It's going to take you like a month, sometimes six weeks to actually like start eating the amount of food that you're supposed to be eating or that you need to be eating. And then you're trying to maintain that. Maybe you step back because you get a little fearful and it takes a few months. And so if you're in like a six month length program and you are trying to reverse, like it may take you more than the six months to actually get there. I personally reversed for a year and a half before I did another cut because prior to my reverse, I was eating 900 calories. So I had a long way to go. 900 calories is like what I eat for breakfast now. (laughs) Can't even imagine. No, mine was the same. Like I, I went through my reverse, took me a few months to get to maintenance calories. And then I sat at maintenance for over a year, even went into a slight surplus for like four months and then, you know, ended up cutting. So like mine, each time I've gone through mine has been almost 18 months. Like I don't do a quick little thing. Like I really have committed to it. And 
it's definitely, definitely paid off. But like you said, like a lot of people want to sign up for three, six months and they feel like that's a long time and it is a great commitment to yourself. But think about it. If you've been eating 900 calories for 20 something years of your life, it's going to take some time to undo what you've been doing and get you to where you need to. So you can make some awesome changes. I've seen it in three, six months, but just got to understand that, like you said, so many times through this podcast is this is a journey. Like it's going to take some time. So like understanding you're not on just because you sign up for six months, maybe with the coach, like that doesn't mean everything has to be done in six months. Like it can definitely help you build habits and get you going. But it, especially for people that have been chronically dieting, under eating, over training, you're probably going to need to sit at maintenance, (laughs) arguably unpopular opinion for six months. (laughs) I completely agree. And it's so interesting. So many women come to coaches and they have no clue that they're under eating. And when they start tracking, they're like, whoa, I did not realize that I was skipping breakfast. I was skipping lunch a lot of days, X, Y, and Z. It's very easy, especially if you are a busy person. And I always preach, I'm not perfect. I'll be completely honest. It is 4 p.m. my time and I have not eaten lunch because I've been so busy today. And so I'm going to have to make up all my calories tonight. So I'm probably going to try and get like ramen or sushi or something. But you know, it happens, but having that awareness of it is important. So if I were just to skip my, my lunch and not make up those calories, I still have like 1100 calories to eat today. And these are the women that come to us that are like, oh, I just didn't have time. I got busy. I forgot. I get it. Look, I get it. I am here to tell you I am human. I have done the same thing, experiencing it this moment. But that is why our bodies are not getting to the place they need to be is because we're doing that five days a week. Right. And not knowing how to like work through it. Like, like you said right now, you have been busy all day, but now you're, you're not going to just say, oh, well, I'll just eat dinner and go to bed. Like you're going to make sure that you get that protein in, not because you have to, but because you know, you want to, that you need to, and how it makes a difference. And you're going to go eat some fruits and vegetables because you don't want to have crappy digestion tomorrow. Like having that knowledge and awareness, like you don't have to track for the rest of your life, but like you're so much more in tune with your body and you can make choices and you can be in control. And there might be a day where you're like, man, I'm behind. I can't make all this up. I'm going to do better tomorrow. And guess what? You learn from today. And then the next day you're going to make sure that you fit something in on lunch, even if you're busy, because you don't want to be eating 1200 calories again at night because that sucked. So it's really a learning curve. It's not being perfect, but like doing that It just allows you to just, it's just so empowering to like know and to make logical decisions and to be in control and just think about it so differently, not to be perfect, but just like, just take that control back. Like you making these decisions versus it's just happening to me. Yes, I, I agree. Now, Abby, I'm going to ask you, how many times have you had to go to bed and you had 80 grams of protein left? (laughs) Like probably a thousand times. I it's like literally I like funny. I literally last night this is literally happened to me last night because I uh, went to dinner with a friend and I knew plan ahead, plan out my stuff, and I got so busy, ended up having my protein shake midday and all this stuff. And the dinner that they gave us. Also, when you eat out to eat, like you plan for protein, but like they give you like a sliver of it, like. 
I, I like, I saw this chicken breast and I had planned like that it was going to be six ounces for my dinner. And I was like, dude, that's like maybe two ounces. There's like two bites. So I got home. I had like 80 grams of protein. I'm like, Damn it. I had a slap protein last night after dinner. I was like, this sucks. So we've all been there. Like us coaches too. Like we're still learning. We are humans. We make mistakes, but like the biggest thing is one being able to create awareness and the knowledge around it. But two, like I've also learned through this, like I wasn't going to go home and eat 80 grams of like chicken. Like I would feel so sick. So I just, I slapped a protein shake. I like threw chia seeds in there, peanut butter, like other things that I knew were high in protein, drank a shake that like was easy to drink and not so fill, like filling. So like you learn through this process. Like I personally think that you learn a lot from experiences, but I think you learn the most from your mistakes. Like if you're willing to really like reflect and create awareness and like grow from your mistakes, like I think that's where we can really learn the most. So like I definitely made that mistake yesterday. So we, we all do it. Even us as coaches, for sure it happens, but you learn from those, we move forward and that's how we get better. Absolutely. Okay. Abby, I want to transition a little bit because I know that you have an injury that you are working through and are currently in PT for it. And I want to talk a little bit about this because I think that we oftentimes sort of neglect the side of injury and staying on track while having an injury. And coming from a personal experience, I would love for you to share a little bit about as a coach, as an athlete suffering through an injury that you're trying to to work on, like how has that been and what does that look like for you? Yeah. Injuries suck. Let's just like call a spade a spade. Like anybody out there that says like you're fine, it's like no. Like you can take that time to be frustrated because they suck. Like, um, but I in college, I've had a lot of injuries playing basketball. It's a brutal sport. It is a contact sport. Like I've blown out my knee, my ankle. I've broken like every bone in my body. But like for me, my big injury has been my shoulder. So, um, in high school, hurt my shoulder had surgery on it in college, heard it again, heard it again, like several different times, dealt with it all through college, got out of college. And of course, still dealt with it, had surgery two years ago, and it's been the worst it's ever been. So that stuff um, after like several surgeries. So for me, my, my biggest one's definitely been my shoulder, which is beyond frustrating because when you think about it, anything you do in life, like you're pretty much using your shoulder, upper body, whether you're lifting legs, upper body, just being an active individual. I like to golf. I like to surf. I like to do all these things. So it's definitely really altered and changed kind of like my life a lot these last two years. But I think step one is first of all, just like acknowledging what you're feeling. Like I'm the type of person that has always like bottled things in, kept it to myself. And what I've really learned is that like, it's okay to get frustrated. It's okay that it feels like unfair or whatever. Cause sometimes like I'll compare myself to all these other athletes that never are hurt. And I'm like, wow, I could, I could do so much more, look so much different. Like if I didn't have this injury. So like, I do have to catch myself with that and just like acknowledge my feelings and you know, lean on others, especially like my husband, he probably hears me complain about my shoulder all the time, but, um, that's what he's there for. (laughs) So that's like my biggest piece. And then the next one is like advocating for yourself and your health. So through this process with my shoulder, it has been a constant, like we cannot, I had a full blown rotator cuff, uh, repair had a labrum repair. They shaved my bone down. They've done so much and now. They say there's nothing wrong with it. And 
so much pain, limited room, like range of motion. So struggling with a lot. So I actually have gone to physical therapists, chiropractors, cupping, deep tissue massage, acupuncture, dry needling, and just nothing's really been working. And my doctor's like, hey, let's just do a surgery again. And I'm at a space where I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. So I actually, I'm sure maybe some of your followers follow Squat University, but I reached out to them. This is going to sound crazy. I reached out to them for every single day for a year. <laughs> a psycho. Talk about a consistency. Psycho. A psycho. And I was like, I need your help. And finally, I was able to go a few months ago and it was such a good experience. I finally found somebody that would like listen to me. So one of my biggest pieces of advice is see them. No, I'm just kidding. But um, advocate for yourself, like find the right physical therapist, find like the right treatment for you. And I can't speak enough to physical therapy. Like I think anybody can benefit from like physical therapy when you have injuries. Not that you have to go forever. I know it's expensive. It's definitely more of like a luxury but they can really see what's going on, the imbalances, issues, give you exercises, and you can kind of like do that on your own. So I think that if you ever deal with injuries, like bite the bullet and at least go to a few sessions because they're going to tell you like what is up, whether it's instability, like issues that you have and help you correct that and then give you a program that like you can keep doing. And if you want to be somebody that's going to work out the rest of your life and not in pain, that's so important is to like go do that physical therapy. And I think um, with like your coach, just expressing like if you have injuries, what's going on, having them modify your programs, making sure you're warming up, doing mobility programs, unilateral work, like all things that you can like program in to help with any of these imbalances, pains, corrections, because I know people will say like, oh, no pain, no gain, but like you should never be in pain when like doing movements, like that is not, you're not chasing pain. You know, there's some soreness and fatigue and things like that, but never chasing pain. And I've been dealing with pain. So definitely been working on that, which I know a lot of people think like, oh, pain is fine, but it's definitely not. So highly recommend doing the PT and putting in the work. Otherwise you're going to deal with it for a long time. Like I'm going on year 11 and I'm constantly working on it. So that's definitely something I would suggest is a lot of PT. That's great. I did an awesome op episode with a PT and she talks a lot about how really anybody, whether you're injured or not injured, could benefit from seeing one just to make yes. sure that your range of motion is correct or that you're doing enough mobility for the type of work that you want to be doing. It's definitely a beneficial thing. Yes, it is a luxury, but definitely look into it. A lot of insurance does cover it. So you can kind of see what might be a network for you or what is available to you. But and I think, oh, go ahead. And I was going to say too, there's so much on social media. I know it can be hard to like weed through it, but like, like I said, filling up your environment with like really good, like viable sources. So like squat universities page, they provide so much free stuff. So if you're somebody that like can't afford to go totally get that, totally respect that you can go on their page and they also have a YouTube page of so much stuff. And then there's a million other PTs out there that are great. Like that's one thing that social media, like I love, like I have done so much PT shoulder mobility stuff with my spine, ankle mobility, like sore knee stuff. Like, so you can go on there and you do have access. So that could be something that could be helpful for people too, if they can't like go to a PT. Yeah, that's great. I'll definitely have to link that in the show notes just so people can pretty easily find that. 
But I do want to know in terms of your injury and not having as much range of motion and experiencing pain, I'm going to make the assumption that it made your workouts less intense because you were not able to lift as much or you were not able to do some of the movements that you maybe wanted to do. So how did you stay on track with programs while working through this injury? Yeah. So when I had my injury, I um, wasn't working with a coach. So the second that I was able to start training again, I hired a coach because I knew that I was going to struggle with going to the gym because when I first started back in the gym, I was in a sling and I was allowed to do some lower body stuff, some upper body stuff. And it just felt like, what was the point? I was like, I'm in here. I was literally doing body weight bicep curls. Could you imagine watching somebody in the gym doing body weight bicep <laughs> curls? People probably thought I was a psychopath. And I was like, I was like embarrassed. But you know what? Who cares what you're lifting, what you're doing? What matters is that I was showing up. I was keeping consistent with the habit. I know that I feel better working out afterwards. I know I needed to do it for my shoulder. So like for me, like there was no question. It was like hire a coach. Because I think people say like when they're busy or they have things going on in the life, they don't have time. Like that's the best time, like holiday season and injury. Like these are the best times to have that extra support because I was struggling to show up. Um, also, I just like was only doing things in my program that like I wanted to do. So like my coach kind of helped me program in things that pushed me out of my comfort zone, found different things. So like that was kind of nice, like a different perspective. But for the last two years, like I'm still to a point where I can't train certain movements or go as heavy, but all I'm constantly focusing on is like what I can do and how much the gym helps me. Like for me, just even stepping into the gym environment, like I just, my day is so much better just mentally, not just physically, but I just know that I will be more motivated, more energy, more focused. Like I'm just better mental health. So for me, it's been learning a lot about like building that habit and just showing up for myself and how much it benefits me and not just how much I sumo deadlift. (laughs) So that's, that's been a big piece and it's a good, um, thing to strive for. Like I want to get back there and I know that maybe I won't, but I'm always pushing for it. So it's something to kind of chase, which is kind of fun for me too. It's like trying to get back there too. I love that. Well, Abby, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you sharing your personal stories and sharing struggles that your clients have and the way that you have worked through those with them and just sharing some really great advice. So where can people find you on social media if they want to learn more about you? Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for having me. But my Instagram is Abby Reeves underscore fit. Um, We've got like our team page too. You can check out, but you can just find that through there. And we also have a free Facebook community group. It's for anybody. It's not just clients. It's just where we provide tons of free information, like stretching videos, meals, et cetera. So it's all um, on there. I can send you the info for, but on my Instagram page, Abby Reeves underscore fit, you can kind of find all of that. Amazing. And to everybody listening, remember to be bold, to be confident, and to be you.